Welcome to the Cincy Postcast. I'm your host, Kevin Wallace. And before we get into today's episode, I wanted to tell you about our sponsor, Cincy Shirts. Look, you know Cincy Shirts. You love Cincy Shirts. They've been with FC Cincinnati from the beginning. And we're just huge fans of their work here at The Post and happy to have them on as a sponsor. If you head on over to CincyShirts.com, that's Cincy with a Y, check out using the promo code ThePostCincy. That's all one word, all caps. You will get 10% off your order and you let them know that we sent you there. They have MLS and MLSPA licensed FCC gear available online or in two retail locations in Hyde Park and Fort Mitchell. And the cool thing about the in-store locations, if they don't have your size on the shelf, they can print you one on the spot. Also, the promo code works in stores as long as you tell them. And that promo code is, again, the post Cincy with a Y, all one word, all caps, or use the link down in the description of this podcast. And thank you so much to Cincy Shirts for sponsoring this episode. And on this episode of the Postcast, well, we are talking about that amazing comeback win in Atlanta for FC Cincinnati, 2-1 to one on the midweek game, and they clench the playoffs. This is a very celebratory podcast, even though we start off with some complaints about the broadcast itself, but then we are recapping and reliving the exciting game that was this one against Atlanta. And then in part two, we look ahead to the weekend's match against Orlando City. FCC continues their historic run, and that's going to be your postcast. Joining me to talk about all of that and more are two gentlemen who also just finished watching the Atlanta United FC Cincinnati game from their homes. I'm going to assume couches was the seat of choice for uh, for for my two fellow co-hosts here. Uh, we're recording this immediately after the Atlanta FCC match. Joined by Grayson, joined by Chief. Chief? Hell of a win. I don't know where to start. That was a hell of a win. This feels so good right now. You know, the first thing I want to start off with is an acknowledgement of a terrible tragedy, a disaster that is happening here in the United States, Yeah, <laughs> specifically that we're all experiencing collectively together. Mm-hmm. And I just want to say that my heart's, my heart, not a heart, not a time lord, my heart <laughs> and my prayers, my thoughts go out to everyone who had to experience that fucking awful announcer in this game tonight. <laughs> I, I'm, uh, marking my, I'm marking myself safe from having to listen to those two idiots yammer on any further during this game. So we're safe. I went to, I went to the Spanish announcers pretty quick this game. <laughs> I got to do that. I got to be quicker on that. Or even the home broadcast. I've got to be, I got to be better about that, Tommy. Man. Tommy, I know you're a listener. Kevin confirmed this by shouting out one time at a game. I loved you on the postcast, not admitting he was a member of the postcast. True. You need to move heaven and earth to get on these broadcasts for the away games next year. I don't care what it takes. I will listen to a pirate radio signal of Tommy and Kevin 
before I have to experience another match with these two yahoos who we seem to keep drawing over and over again on our broadcasts. I think the problem is that it feels like we're drawing the same announcers over and over again because they're one like there does seem to be a male announcer voice and a female announcer voice. Yeah. And like six different people have the same exact voice. Yes. Yes. Um, Because it took me a minute to figure out, Okay, well, this is not Kaylin Kyle. This is not, I don't know, Lori, Lori Lindsay. Yeah. Uh, It's not, you know, any any other number of people. This is this was uh, somebody else. You know? On the other side, it wasn't Keith Cost again. It wasn't. Too. Yeah, right. It's like I've got that same voice, right? So I switched. And then they Siri, also like, I switched have Siri no... on my phone to a British voice. Are we confident that these people are real? That this is an Apple trying out a next generation male and female Siri voice, and that they're just <sighs> recycling and tweaking the pitch every so often to make it I'd, seem like they're different people. I'd love it so much more if that was the case. Like I'd be here for the experiment. <laughs> I don't I don't want to be a, I don't want to be a nativist. But what's the value add of a British play-by-play announcer? <laughs> like I get it when you used to have to go to like foreigners to get a color commentator that could really talk about the game right. because of you know, different different cultures of growing up, although I I would hope that that's becoming less and less true. Yeah. Why do I need somebody with not even that aesthetically pleasing of an English accent? I must say, this is not Arlo White we're talking right. about here. Right. <laughs> this is not, uh, what's the other guy, Derek Ray? Yep. Uh, Derek Ray's fun. John Champion. This was some guy with what I could only assume was some kind of backwoods hillbilly <laughs> version of the English accent or like somebody from like the part of Arkansas that's by Louisiana. <laughs> we got the the Creole or they got, British person. They got the they got the Creole people that were like kicked out of the out of the uh community for being too weird and had to move across the border to arkansas Look, every country has an Walsh. alabama yeah. every country has an alabama yes. and we're getting the people from fucking alabama on apple tv <laughs> the, the british alabamans yeah i don't mind like a northern you know yeah. english accent little geordie yeah yeah I don't, I don't i don't mind it i watched you know i watched uh shameless I watch Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> it is frustrating there aren't more former MLS color commentators. Nothing against, you know, not wanting a woman in there. That's certainly not the critique. But, like, if this is MLS's product and you see in England in the Premier League, it is mainly former Premier League players doing the commentary teams there. Same in Germany. So this is interesting. So when you put a British person on the commentary, on the call, you are subtly reinforcing something that you are desperately attempting to get away from if you're MLS. And that is that the American product is an inferior product and the game needs to be explained to you by someone who understands the way soccer or proper football is. And all you're hearing when you hear that accent is, oh yeah, the Premier League is where all the best players play. England is where all the best soccer is played. Why wouldn't you, if you are MLS and you were attempting to build the American game, why wouldn't you have more American voices? And why wouldn't you lean into finding your former players and portraying your former players 
as subject matter experts on soccer, that our former MLS players know this league, know this sport, and you don't need to hear from someone who played for like, you know, you know, Birmingham Thursday for half a season before coming over to America to coach some college somewhere. Birmingham you know what it Thursday is? is a great club name, by the way. It's not. I guarantee you it's real. <laughs> It's not that there aren't announcers who who would do a better job. And it's it might not even be on these announcers. This feels like when um the Ant-Man the first Ant-Man movie fired Edgar Wright and hired Peyton Reed because it's not like they cuz Edgar Wright like a much more a much better director, much more yes. stylish, much yes. more interesting. Just going to put out like a film, right? But Marvel didn't want to put out a film. They wanted to put out content. And Peyton Reed will definitely put out content for you. And it's going to be just like the exact content that you want your entire brand to match. Right. And it's it's it has kind of been that way with this Apple deal that they've wanted to have this kind of uniformity of the experience, right? That's why there's theoretically no home announcers. Every team has to have a little pregame ritual. There's like a, a sameness being pushed for the match experience. And I assume that it's because it's being targeted at soccer babies. Yeah. Like newbies, right? And it's this is like children. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And like quite or, literally like, infants. Or, or it's people who are in the blippy. infancy of their of their soccer fandom. Yeah. Because everybody has they talk about the teams at like somebody just turned it on for the first time, didn't doesn't know what MLS is, doesn't know who FC Cincinnati and Atlanta United are. Like they repeat the most superficial facts over and over and over again. Like, oh, FC Cincinnati top of the table. Oh, Lucio Acosta, he's had a really nice season. But it's like in like a really bland, uninteresting way. Right. Um and it's like I said, like it's not necessarily their fault because one there's not a lot of incentive for these announcers to really drill in to the teams the way like home announcers do that do that are in the city every week and doing all the games and two there probably is some level of like we need you to assume that the people watching this not only don't know the offside rule they don't know that there is a thing called offside. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's it undercuts the product because these are valuable opportunities, especially when he who will not be named is driving interest in the product. Teach me something about these teams. Give me a reason to watch these games like perfect example tonight. Um, Brett Halsey is an interesting story. With the FC Spanish season. announcer said. Brett Hasley. 
It's tough. The L's are <laughs> tough. You see, you see two L's in Spanish, and it really throws you off. Your... I, don't, I don't hold it against them. They were they were they were trying, and he was like clearly thinking about it every time. But there's there's a really interesting story about Brett Halsey. He is starting matches for a supporter shield leading leading team, and there, you've learned nothing about him. In these two games that we've played, you haven't learned that he was given away by Real Salt Lake for nothing after being on, I think, was on a Generation Adidas contract yep. when he was there. That he was cut by a team, picked up by a Supporters Shield leading team, and is giving them starting caliber minutes. Can you imagine, legitimately, can you imagine if in the NFL that the, the Cincinnati Bengals cut a player? And that player immediately went to the Kansas City Chiefs and was starting and producing as like a wide receiver. I mean, that would be a massive story that, wait, they let this guy get away who is a starting caliber wide receiver in this league. Any yeah. other sport that happens, they would be talking about who is this guy who let him go? Why was it that he was let go on a free in the middle of a season? Why did his star fade so quickly in terms of being a number seven, I think, overall pick in the super draft? Yeah, these, like are in, these are interesting storylines, but instead, we learn nothing about him in this match. We get the same trite talking points reported, re repeated um, You know, for the 30th time this year. We learned that Santiago Arias used to play in La Liga and nothing more about him, not about the teams he played on, what his skill sets are, what he's done, who he's played with. Uh, we learned that Obino Wobodo is a great ball-winning midfielder that runs a lot. Nothing right. about why he has been so good. Nothing about the fact that he was called for a foul and a yellow card that was a phantom call. And this is a continuing problem with Wobodo picking up bullshit calls because he moves at too fast for speed for this league. It's all nonsense and superficial garbage. And it's 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 it makes me happy I have season tickets and that I don't yeah. have to hear this other than the half of the season that I'm watching road <laughs> games. Right. So here's right. the thing about Arius. Um, like, one, it feels like Arius is incredibly famous in Colombia, first of all. Yeah, he. I think he is. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I mean, like, I yeah, think yeah, he's yeah. like an extremely famous celebrity in Colombia. And we have him just like kind of, you know, here. Bumping around Cincinnati. Um, but two, his wife is also a celebrity in Colombia. Hmm. Um, she's a like model who might also have her own label of some kind. Okay. Like not like record label, but like her own like fashion brand, like apparel label or something. Um, and I watched a like she's famous enough that like their local version of like of Columbia Entertainment Tonight did a feature this week uh, where they interviewed her like, like it was a short clip about like her life in the United States. <laughs> and, um, you can find it. You can find it on like YouTube because I was I found I came across it because I was trying to figure out if there was any any rumors about Arias getting I was switch, searching Twitter to see if there were any rumors about Arias getting called up by Columbia. But um, I watched this video. I mean, her um, her her Spanish accent was hard for me to hard for me to um, uh, uh, understand. But you, there was a transcript on YouTube, and it wasn't like too in depth. But it was like, oh, about how 
how happy she is and how she, you know, likes to move around. And it's like this nice opportunity to live in the United States. And it's been tough on her kids, but she thinks it's a great opportunity for them to like go to school in the U.S. and learn English. And she likes that all of them are together as a family, you know, in one house after they've been like kind of bumping around Europe. And I was thinking like, this would be like a really fun thing to look into of like these, this like famous Colombian celebrity couple living in Cincinnati with their, you know, three sons. (laughs) Yeah. But instead we continue to get this thing where it's, I, day by day, I switch up whether or not this is a, a case where MLS is being treated as like a baby like everybody is too afraid to poke and prod it and so they they all want to leave it alone because they're scared of it uh or that it's not being treated as just real competition that like you just said like it's being treated as content it's not a soccer league these aren't athletes these are actors putting on a stage play and this is all just presentation and it's just it's frustrating that like There's so many elements of like how MLS treats itself versus how the NBA or the NFL or Major League Baseball or the NHL treats itself radically different. (laughs) So his wife's on Instagram. Yeah. She's a fashion fashion Colombian blogger. She has her own YouTube channel too. Yeah, seven hundred fifty thousand followers on Insta. Which, I mean, Santiago has over a million, which is absurd. That was the first hint that Grayson was dead on where it's like, oh, yeah, he's very famous. (laughs) Her Instagram is fire. (laughs) Like, I'm not one for stalking the wags, but (laughs) yow. Yeah, see, this is the shit. Like, I would never have done this Google search that I have to delete from my browser history. Um... (laughs) Jeez. Sure. Yeah. I had no idea that yeah. Santiago the YouTube video is Karin Jimenez, Karin Jimenez habla de lo feliz que se siente de ser la reina de su casa. So she speaks All about of, how happy she is uh, of you know feeling like the queen of the house. I will throw it in the uh, the show notes of this podcast. So if people want to check this out, I'll, yeah, I'll so throw it in it, there. So congratulations. By listening to this show, you have learned more about Santiago Arias than MLS announcers have given you the entire year. Um, check his wife since out. It's uh, it's it's something. <laughs> There's a lot going on. All right. <laughs> it looks like there might be a new Arias on the way here pretty shortly. I think that might be that might be old. Might be an older picture. Yeah. Because she didn't look. Pregnant in the uh, in the video, and the video is wow, pretty new. You're not allowed to well, guess. <laughs> sure, sure, you're right. <laughs> what does a pregnant person look like? Right. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> you, you be careful there. I'm just. I just translated uh, one. One of the. Oh, she has a branding maternity by Karen Jimenez. That's it. Yeah. The only Hilarious. thing that doesn't change is your essence, according to this uh, Instagram caption that's being translated. We invite you to meet our lingerie line that besides being very comfortable, has a breastfeeding system. So look at that. Oh, how about that? She's an entrepreneur, too. Wow. I mean, yeah. So this she's like a- this. She's kind of like this is kind of like Santiago and his wife are kind of like the Tom Brady and Giselle yes. she's of Cincinnati. Famous. She's famous enough. 
that she doesn't go by Karen Arias. Right. She goes she, by she goes by her 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 maiden name or whatever. Her, her brand name, as it yeah. were. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Tom and Giselle here in Cincinnati. Hell yeah. Yeah. Like again, like Cincinnati and MLS being treated as you know, like it's not a real thing. We don't need to do real research. Nobody really cares. It doesn't need to be treated properly. We don't need to act like this is a, a sports league. This is a uh, we'll just, you know, fake this because right. the people watching. And, and that's it, the thing. It's like the people watching are probably MLS hardcore. Like you can skip right. out. And the other thing, too, is, it, is it's not like this is the Ron Yans or the Yop Stomer FC Cincinnati. This team's leading supporters shield. This was one of the biggest signings they made that was kind of out of left field that everyone kind of was like, oh, is this guy washed? Is he actually healthy? Can right. he be a contributor? And he's been one of the best players on this team over the last two months. And not to uh, to take us there, but I will take us there. Uh, very little being made about Bupenza being hurt. And obviously the win tonight uh, helps paper over whatever cracks may exist. How's there. that not a narrative? How's that not a narrative <laughs> on a team? Hell? Can you can you imagine again, not to make this all about the NFL, but can you imagine if or make it about the NBA this time? It's if, fine like, to make it about these things because these are the benchmarks right. Right, mm-hmm. of real professional sports. I hate to like I hate to say it. I love watching soccer. It's the sport I watch more than any other. Uh, certainly, certainly these days, now that it's available like a way it never was, you know, growing up. But I, I don't think we need to apologize by saying like this. And I guarantee you the way that stuff like this would be covered. Sorry, Chief, I'll, I'll let you go. But I, I guarantee you the way the stuff would be covered in like England in Spain and in Germany is closer to how it would be treated in the NFL or NBA than it is in yes. MLS. Yes. You had, you had one of, you had one of the three highest paid players on FC Cincinnati out for this game under pretty odd circumstances. If you yeah. want to believe the reporting leading up to this. And I don't think Aaron Bapenz's name was mentioned once, right. once the ball was kicked off. When FC Cincinnati was struggling to connect chances, there was no discussion of maybe this is where they miss Aaron Bupenza or reminding the viewers that they have a DP striker that is not available and whether or not he's been an effective signing thus far, um, how he's integrating with the team, uh, the body language issues that have been much discussed online about him and Lucho not being on the same page. There was none of that. It's like these games for MLS and these announcers exist in this weird space time <laughs> vacuum where they are only that. taking place in the 90 minute span that you're watching them. And they are completely devoid of any of the context that has led anyone to this moment, except for the fact that we're being constantly reminded of how shit FCC was how many yes. times we heard about the worst to first narrative, but nothing about how the team has gotten to this spot in the season or what are the circumstances surrounding this team as they make a push forward for the shield? There's no attempt to create a storyline, a narrative, or to explain to the viewers what the context of everything they're watching is in. It's just, yeah, it's bad. It's, it's bad. 
And it wasn't worst to first. It was worst to really good to first. Like, there's an entire year that just gets skipped over. And I understand, like, three last place finishes and two years later they're in first place. That's really good. But there's a middle step there that includes all of the answers as to how this happened. And, there, and it's there mainly be, the coaching staff. <laughs> there should honestly be, and maybe it'll happen if we win the Supporter Shield. But there should honestly be like a magazine length feature, like a magazine, not a whole magazine, but like a magazine article. Right. If you know what I'm talking about. Like a Vanity length. Fair. Right. For, yeah. for all of our listeners that are under the age of 30, a magazine is a bound booklet that used to be delivered to your house when you subscribe to it. And it would contain about 50 to 70% advertising. And in between the ads, you would actually find some stories written or naked pictures, depending on what you did. You mostly find these in doctor's offices just sitting out unread. So continue, Grayson, sorry. Alternatively, magazines are also why you have active shooter drills. So Some of us still, uh, some of us still get a magazine or two. Shout out to uh, Jacobin. <laughs> um, Cincy so- Jacobins. So there's no walked into that one. Uh, So there, but there should be like a magazine length article about like walking about like from the and I they don't I guess they don't give the access for something like this right. But like Chris Albright and Pat Noonan walking into the worst team in the league and going through like what their first steps were what their next steps were right you know what their targets were for like how to build out the roster how, how they much got of rid it of, was planned out versus how they, yeah. what they had to adapt to on the fly how they right? got because that's a really like fascinating that's a true fascinating story about how teams are built in this league versus like what we've seen about another team recently in like mls that's just like Oh yeah, they just like bought down a couple of guys. A couple of guys walked away because they didn't want they had enough money and right. bango bango bongo. We got a we got a team. Fifteen features on how Miami was able to do this. And I think we've gotten one that featured basically two interviews, one with Noonan, one with Albright in the preseason about FCC. And like the, the week to week stuff is fine, but like Real stories, especially stories around this team, like it was not like a one day story of like how they decided Alvaro Barrio could be a top wing back in this league and then how they made him a top wing back in this league. Right. Or how Brandon Vasquez went from a cast off that Nashville let walk for pocket change to a, you know, sometime once and maybe future starting <laughs> right. you know striker for the US men's national team certainly like somebody ready to go to Europe yeah like there's characters you could make like a winning time season out oh, of this yeah. team you know like like Brandon Vasquez is a character Alvaro Barriel is a character Lucho is a character like there's interesting stories there and just they're just not coming out yeah we're getting we get and this is not this is not like the fault of the journalists that cover this team week to week. No, it's not. It is how because it's yet. just not how MLS is covered. It's not Other how MLS allows itself like the, to be. It doesn't. Right. Allow, it doesn't allow itself to be covered that way. Exactly. 
or if it does, it's like one featurette on MLSsoccer.com every three months about a given team. And, and it's, it's like short and it's, it's mostly it's mostly aggregated public information and maybe yeah. a couple of pull quotes. Yeah. See, now, now, now I really want this team to win MLS Cup just because I would kill for the documentary where they interview Nick Hagland. Talk about what it's been like these last four years and the change. Lucho, from your name team captain, and then your first game as team captain, this team gets thumped five to one by Austin. Oh. Um, Brandon Vasquez sitting the bench for Yap Stam and then finally getting his opportunity to like there's so many compelling stories on this team that yeah. a long form piece on this and up to and including Noonan, uh, Noonan and Albright evaluating the roster and it's like okay we all thought for certain that this th these guys were going to come in here and establish a diamond midfield yeah. um and they didn't because it's like well we don't have the pieces to play that and we're cap constrained and now here we find ourselves not playing that system and building around a completely different system i'd love just to hear yeah like how fucked they thought they were and at what point they realized hey Maybe it's time to tear the plan up and just go with what we got. Nearly every player on this team and coach, for that matter, like Dom Kinnear, really interesting story Absolutely. from nearly being the head coach of this team <laughs> at one point, right, to joining a rookie coach's staff. Um, Tyron Marshall. Alec can Alec can yeah. finally coming to get his starting up like that would be a that would be like a running subplot throughout a drama series. Right. The veteran comes finally getting his starting chance gets hurt. The rookie takes his job and the rookie never lets it go. Yeah, I, I really want Tyron Marshall's. Perspective on that first season taking over for Stom and like what he was asked to do that would very, be yeah there would be like a whole episode if it was like a drama series yeah there would be like a standalone episode that like you, it wouldn't be like one of the first or last things right you'd right. like bookmark it somehow um but that would be like a middle a middle of the season episode yeah where it's just a standalone where chris albright you know walks into a place and he doesn't have any of his players. He doesn't have any coaches that he hired. He's the new guy in town. He taps the academy coach and they just lose 11 games in a row. <laughs> well, if you remember. Uh, <laughs> or whatever. However, however many it was. Well, no, no, no. But Marshall was appointed the interim before, like long before uh, Albright was hired. So you'd have like the episode would be like Marshall's taking orders from someone we don't know who then gets introduced in the next episode. Oh, that's right. Chris Albright he, having I don't think hired. it was long before. I think they fired him. It was a good month, I want to say. I think they fired him in October and Albright was hired like a week later in October. Because I remember thinking about it as like Did they the timing they fired being like, like birding getting to be the guy who fired the coach versus the GM coming in and immediately firing the coach. Now I'm going to have to Google. My yeah. only real question is in this show, at what point does Dr. Cop uh, become involved in some investigation with the team? <laughs> oh, I mean, she's there to investigate the Ron Jans karaoke scandal. 
<laughs> yeah, it was. So Stom was fired on the 27th and Albright was announced on October 4th. So like a week. I That's blocked most I, weeks. I blocked most no, of this time week. out of my uh, September 27 to October 4. Oh, okay. 30 minus 27. Three. There's no way to know. Zero to four. That's four. There's Three no plus way to four. Siete. But but it's... how many how many days in a week are there? <laughs> Un, deux, trois, but if I cut. if I if I do a full body workout every other day, every other day. how many will I do? How many work how many workouts will I do in a, month, a week? <laughs> Man, that is a uh, that's a throwback. That's a real heads no for the for the for the postcast. <laughs> Oh, That's all to man. say this was a hell of a game. <laughs> <laughs> Should we talk Christ. about this game? You know, yes, I, whenever we do these like quick take, like record immediately after the games, I always think we're only going to talk about the game. And I really feel like we never talk about the game because in my mind, we just lived through it. Like you get yeah. it. Listener, you get it. You'll hear this 12 hours, 14, 20 hours after, uh, so after is, you watch the game. But this is the downside of recording on Spoiler alert, we record these on Zoom. We're not actually sitting next to one another. I'm going to break the fourth wall here. This is the downside of only seeing each other like when we record is that we've got to get all the like you're you the listener are privy to all the things that a normal person would talk about and complain about during the game if we were actually sitting next to one another. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so instead we got to get these heard, out of the system first. <laughs> you the listener has heard 99% of every word that we've ever said to each other. That's probably true. Yeah. I mean, we funny. really, we kind of broke it up a little bit when we were in Columbus. That we, yeah. we it, were at least up to like 97, I think, at this point. Or down, down <laughs> That's to <true>. 90. <laughs> it's a, uh, uh, I like to imagine it. It's like we, we have a, a better working relationship, I like to think, but it's like uh, Jamie and uh, the other one from Mythbusters. And they like only ever spoke to each other while recording and didn't get along outside of it. Um, we get along, to be clear. Uh, let's talk about this game. Uh, FC Cincinnati beats Atlanta United 2-1. to one. Is a hell of a comeback victory on the road, on the turf for FC Cincinnati. And the lineup, well, there was a lot to talk about with this lineup. I'll run through it quickly, and then we can dissect our favorite parts of this lineup. Roman Salentano in goal, something I would expect to see for the rest of 2023. Ian Murphy, Matt Miazga, Nick Haglin across the back line. No Mosquera still. Alvaro Barriel out left. Brett Halsey starting on the right wing back position. Yuya Kubo in for Junior Moreno with uh, Wobodo back from yellow card suspension uh, next to him in defensive midfield. Ahead of them, Lucho Acosta. Ahead of Acosta, Brandon Vasquez, of course. But next to him, one Sergio Santos. Chief, Yuya Kubo, Ian Murphy, Sergio Santos, Brett Halsey. Which one do you want to talk about first? Let's talk about Sergio Santos first, because this is the big one, I think. Um, no Aaron Bapenza. And as expected. As expected. <laughs> right. No and, reporting of him having an injury all week or nope. No, so all of a sudden, but <laughs> so let's just go right into it. Um let's. There's been 
a lot of questions being asked this week, or there were a lot of specul there was a lot of speculation this week over Aaron Bapenza and his role on this team. Specifically, we got into what is my favorite part of FC Cincinnati's <laughs> online fandom, and that is body language experts. And we oh. had some people online and some people around the uh the, the Twitter sphere. Yeah, analyze your body Fox News are learning <laughs> right learning about body language. L the FCC of, dark web was all about this. <laughs> there was it was a, it was a buzz with body language 101. I, I remember there was somebody that did this with Brenner a few years ago that was on Reddit that was that actually cited themselves in a Reddit post as I'm a body language expert, which <laughs> I had so many questions as to how you actually get certified in that expertise. Was it the woman that goes on Fox News to say that like Bernie Sanders was sitting misogynistically? It's the same person that, or after every debate that analyzes, well, in this segment of the debate, he crossed his arms. And that's closed body language right there. And boy, voters don't like that. You can see the dial lines go straight down as soon as he puts his one arm in front of the other. Um, so, yeah, we had we had the, the speculation that there's trouble in paradise between Bapenza and Acosta based on hashtag body language. All of a sudden, Bapenza isn't training, and then Bapenza doesn't even make the trip. But then reporting comes out from Laurel Failer first that Bapenza picked up a knock at some point, which didn't hear anything about that. That was the first. I, I think. think any I think. I think. Laurel Pat and Carter were like all on the knock at the same same time. It, it felt like everybody was told at the same time. At least watching it happen on Twitter. Yeah. So we get the knock, and then nine minutes before kickoff, we get, well, Bapenz has played a lot of minutes. This is the first time he's played three matches in a week since whenever. He was tired and is probably due for a rest. Well, is he is he getting a rest or does he have a knock? Right. What's I, what's a question here? Also, he very rarely goes beyond the 60th minute in these games. So. He had two weeks off before that. He's played he's played right. fewer minutes than a lot of other guys on the team. Right. I don't know. And it's interesting. He was, yeah. And it, you would to me, this is one of those ones where it's like this is one of the biggest players on the roster, one of the highest paid players on the roster. He's a designated player. I think this warrants just a little bit of an eyebrow raise that he's not traveling with the team. Um and, and yeah, I get match. it. It's, yeah. it's a big match. They're all big matches. Here's the thing. They are all big matches right. from this point forward until and if they clinch Supporters Shield. And then once they do that, the matches get even bigger when you get to MLS Cup playoffs. Right. So, and it's just, and it's about, you know, now there's only... I know, I know he's got two goals and two assists. Happy for that production. I don't think we've seen what we've been told to expect yet. We have eight games before the playoffs now to integrate him into the team and into the offense and get him clicking with everybody. Yeah. So like the games are also really important for that reason. Yeah. And you know, the fact that he has to play African cup of nations with Gabon. I don't care about that. No. Like yeah. club teams don't rest players to rest them up for the national team. No. They let them go play for the national team. He's going to have, I think, a week on either end yeah. of that to rest up 
But Gabon's not playing him, paying him what I assume is more than at least $2 million a year <laughs> to play for them. Right. That's not where you make your money. I'm sorry. Like, no. And it's well, up to the national team to manage those minutes. How many times have we seen the U.S. men's national team bench a guy, not start a guy that they would really like to play because he's played a lot of club minutes, because he has a big match coming up? Oh, we let Gio go back early because he's got a big Dortmund match, so we're not going to have him for the second game. Well, shit, we would have liked to have had him, but totally got to do right by their careers. Right. Well, and Gio's a bad example because he's not a right. real, he's not oh. in like the A team. But sure. He's not, he's not a Greg guy, GG. He's not uh, a GG. We got to talk guy. to a few more uh, consultants and gurus <laughs> to before we can figure out how to pick up a phone and talk to a child. But, but there's but, also, uh, there's also a lot of interesting, there's other shit going on here that I want to know more about. Like yeah. there was a military coup in Gabon this morning or late last night, depending on how time time zones how do they work um so you don't know if he's got family back in gabon that's shit going down there you don't know if there's something else going on between him and acosta you don't know if it's just as simple as it's a knock and they don't want to risk him on atlanta's turf but that's all part of just the 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 opaque idiocy of this league where we're left guessing and the broadcasters are like, well, he's not here. May as well pretend like he doesn't fucking exist. So right. and I hope I, that there's more. I hope there's yeah. more clarity about this situation because we already have a player on this team, an incredibly important player in Yerson Mascara, who at this mm-hmm. point, I think, is more seriously hurt than they're letting on. Called that last week. That there's right there something there is something going on that they don't want to talk about. And I'm staying woke that the part of the reason why is they don't want him recalled back to England for whatever reason, or they don't want to declare that his season may be over or anything because then he has to go back or whatever the case may be. But the lack of clarity or the lack of clear reporting about what's going on with Yerson Mascara is frustrating as hell too. And now we've got another player in Vipenza where it's, oh, well, now they are no timetable whatsoever for what's going on. Yeah, the the Bupenza stuff, too. It just kills me that like, I don't know, it just it gets left open to like this awful speculation and stuff. It's like, here's the thing. Here's the thing with like him, Acosta, Wobodo, Brenner, like these are our designated players. We've seen it time and time again in MLS. You live and you die by your designated players. If you don't invest in these positions, you're not one of the better teams. If you invest properly, you're among the best teams. And Lucho Acosta, worth every penny, can be an asshole on the field because he's put together back-to-back MVP caliber seasons. Now, TBD, if he wins that award in either of these seasons now, he didn't win it last year, but he's certainly been in the conversation. Obina Wobodo is one of, if not the best defensive midfielders in Major League Soccer. Worth every penny. Incredible production. Brenner, fantastic production for the back half of one season. Really rough to actually hated the team as far as I could tell. The club, I should say. I'm sure he liked his teammates. Hated the club as far as I can tell. And that's why there was more pressure on him. Because if he's not performing well, uh, the team has to do a whole lot to make up for that. And a whole lot of that 
was Vasquez and Barrio. Well done. We made up for it. But now going into this year, this back half of this year, Bupenza needs to be that guy. And the eye test has had at best mixed results. The stats are there, but it does feel a little <laughs> not, not sure it's going to stick. And we need him to be performing at that clip. So if you see people applying a little extra pressure, to Bupenza and Brenner, it's because their production doesn't quite match their price tag, unlike every other DP we've had under Chris Albright or play under Chris Albright. And so it's, it's just a frustrating thing to me that I see things out there like that. Like, this is why it is very obvious. And it is kind of sad that I have to spell this out. But Bupenza was brought in to win a trophy this year. And I don't know that he's helped that much. I mean, he's helped so, a little, but. So, um, one is, I think, like, on the one hand, I think it's too, I think it's way, way, way too early to start, you know, getting on Bupenza or drawing conclusions about, completely like, Bupenza's, agree. like, completely agree. Like, like, I agree. Attitude no or anything like that, you know, yeah. whatever. Um, the only, and I, in fact, I, I was not worried about it. I was only minimally worried about it when everybody said it was a knock. Right. And then when it came and then when people start being like, oh, well, like also remember, he's like tired and he's played a lot of minutes and stuff like that's weird. Oh, man, this sounds like we're just making up excuses for somebody. Yeah. And like running cover. And maybe that's not the intention, but like that's what it comes across because it's like you're explaining something that doesn't need to be explained, really. You've yeah. added too much to the, not to say it's a lie, but like you can over explain a lie <laughs> um, and it, you get exposed pretty quickly. You leave yeah. it vague and people get it. But also like, like with Brenner, you know, like the difference between Lucho and Brenner is Brenner, when he wasn't productive, it was by Brenner's choice. It's because he was taking himself out of yeah. the team, you know, literally. And like yes. if he was scoring like 18 goals, both halves of last season. Right. Nobody would have given a shit about his body language. Right. And you take a look at somebody like Lacadia. I don't think any, I don't think anybody was like mad at Lacadia like. As a person, because he wasn't productive, He's because still you a could fan see the, favorite. Yeah, you could <laughs> see the effort. Right. You could see the effort. It just wasn't happening for him, you know? And I think that that's a huge, that's a huge thing. Like, yeah, you can be like a really good player. Like you can be a better player than Nick Hagland all you want. Nick Hagland's worth more if you, if he's in the game. Right. And you're not in the game. And again, this is nothing, this is not about, it's not about Bupenza. Right. It's just about like, we do want our people showing up to play. Yeah. I will. I want to be clear. I am fully accepting the explanation before the game that he's picked up a knock in practice. Yeah. I'm a little annoyed that that information wasn't publicly available. And again, <laughs> it's like a thing that like, if this was taken more seriously as a professional sports league, there would be a lot of pressure from media and from gambling to have up-to-date information about player availability. And I guess the league doesn't feel the pressure to have accurate 
player availability, just like they don't feel the pressure to have accurate rosters on the website. Yeah. Um, but that's, you know, we'll just keep fighting that fight because yeah, we, I right. certainly think of it when I watch an FC game, I think of it as a professional sports game with a team from my city. Just like I think about a Bengals game. Yeah. And I want it. I want it to take itself that seriously. Real and quick I, on that note, real quick on that note. Uh, Grayson, you opened my eyes to this because I, I had not seen this in MLS. And I don't know that I see this too often, even in the Premier League. But uh, my question, uh, I think it was last week or two weeks ago, did Brenner travel with Udinese? And you pulled up a graphic from Udinese of the traveling team. Could you imagine if FCC put together the graphic of the traveling team like 12 hours di- before the game? Or yeah, it was like a, it was like a full 24 hours before Sheesh. the game. Yeah. I would love something like that. If he's not traveling, let us know and we can gamble accordingly. <laughs> and it's just, it's, there's nothing against Papenza at right. all. Nothing at all. And it's way too early to make judgments. This is more just, this is an annoyance at the difficulty in getting the information, like you've said, and also just, you know, put a, a pin in this moment because what the, Nature abhors a vacuum. And when you don't give people information, it allows speculation and nonsense to run rampant online. And that's where you get people talking about, oh, is there a problem between him and Lucho? Because it looked like the two of them were yelling at each other online. The two incredibly competitive or on the field, <laughs> two incredibly competitive athletes getting yeah. mad in the middle of a tough run of games when there's a lot of other shit going on. Um don't let that run. Like, yeah. get the information out there. Let people know what's going on. And it's, it's it's a frustrating aspect of this. And again, I can't stress this enough. It's patently absurd that this wasn't a major talking point and storyline of this game from the announcer's point of view. Yeah. I, I want to be clear, too. I'm not against Bupenza. I am rooting for his success. I really like him. I think he's a really fun, interesting personality on this team. What I'm saying is that there is pressure that comes with that price tag. Unfair? Sure, you can you can say that. But he's a DP that was brought in as the missing piece to win now. And as we discussed in a previous episode, there was a lot there was not just his salary cost, the opportunity cost of bringing in pieces for the future that could have been in his place instead, I think puts pressure on him from a fan's perspective, my perspective of he needs to be performing for this team. And if he needs to take more time off to take naps, I don't like that. <laughs> if I he's mean, injured, yeah. so be it. <laughs> right. I think taking naps is probably a little flip. Oh, I'm be being rude, to be yeah. clear. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, like, it's, there's no getting around that you have, that maybe at this point, not necessarily to be a shield winning team because of the lead that we have. Right. But to be an MLS cup winning team. You need to get an appropriate level of production out of all three DP spots. And, you know, let's get him healthy and let's, you know, get him back in the team and let's go. Yeah. Yeah. If there was a game screaming out for a deadly striker in front of goal, I think we just watched it. Oh, my God. Not not necessarily saying Bupenza would be that guy, but, you know, if there was a game you could ask for one DP striker up top, ah, this would have been a good one to have one. The two other notes on the lineup before we move on. Number one, uh, Brett Halsey, awesome. I was very happy he got the start. 
Yeah. Um, I'm going to choose to believe because I don't think he played poorly by any stretch of the imagination. Um, yeah. I, don't, I don't think he was as good as he was against NYCFC, but step up in competition level, playing on a fast turf and playing against the guy that was way faster than he was trying yeah. to go box to box in a wide open game. I'm going to choose to believe that the plan all along was to give Arias a half off and that this was a plan type of substitution to get Arias into the game at some point. Mm-hmm. in the second half so that he wasn't running a full 90 on an artificial playing surface. Uh, so I love the fact that Halsey's starting. No issue with that. I like the usage and deployment of Arius in this space where you're not putting his knees at risk by running on the concrete for, for as long. Yeah. And Yuya Kubo, again, um, it's an interesting formation choice to give Moreno that time off, and I'm going to choose to believe it's the same thing, where it's he's a player that doesn't need those minutes on turf because he's logged a lot of minutes this year. I think Barial, if he hadn't already been rested in the yeah. previous game, would probably have been a huge candidate to have time off at the start of this game as well. So I liked the lineup. Um, it was a it was a good lineup for a midweek road tilt on the heels and Columbus of- just lost to Houston. Sorry. Hey. hey, I can't say it. I'll say it at the end of the show. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I like the lineup. Yeah. And then they go out after they announce this lineup and the start of this game could <laughs> not be fucking worse. <laughs> it really was giving me flashbacks to D.C., St. Louis, Columbus. Like it really did feel like we were watching a rerun of the Columbus match like it was the same thing everybody is just a half a step slower than columbus it was like it was like atlanta was playing on like rookie mode on fifa it's too like, much oh, space they're just getting away with everything yeah oh and it was I, brutal. I know i know that the, the the narrative is is dead the narrative is dead long live the narrative yeah having said that there is a reason why this team had a reputation as playing poorly on turf and you saw it a lot in this first half and well into the second half, too, of this team's offense and the way they want to play is they don't want to bomb the ball down and play second balls. They want to play their way out of the back. They want to play their way to the final third, and they want to play their way in to point blank range at the goal before scoring. This team yeah. does not want to take up huge chunks of possession by moving the ball in big spaces. They want a tight, controlled passing game. The players they have on this team feed that that style of play. You've got an incredible passer in Lucho. You have an incredible passer in Barrial. Miazga is a very good passer. Ian Murphy has shown aptitude as a passer. Wobodo is a good passer. And in this game, every pass was just misweighted by a little bit. And it got frustrating to watch as Acosta is trying to play through balls and they're just not playing because again, and I hate to make it a thing. It's, it's you're playing on an artificial surface that is impossible to replicate on the training ground. There is nothing you can do at mercy health training complex to simulate the type and variety of artificial pitch indoors that Atlanta is playing on because all these artificial pitches have a slightly different way. If you talk to anyone that used to play, they all play a little different. They all, the ball bounces a little different. 
even within the spaces on the pitch because of how the rubber is ground up and shit. The ball plays differently in each yep. individual spots. There yep. is no way to train for that. And you could see in this game how it was disrupting the kind of tight, controlled passing that FC Cincinnati wants to do on offense. And yep. for the majority of this first half, they couldn't hold the ball. If they'd have been allowed to use their hands, they would not have been able to hold the ball, I don't think. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a brutal stretch leading up to their Mosquera's goal in the 10th minute. And look, I uh, I crowned Halsey as the future heir to Bariel's throne on this team. And you know what? Sometimes the young wingback on the MLS reserve minimum is going to get beat by the guy that was flirting with Ajax, okay? It's just going to happen sometimes, and I don't know what to tell you. Bariel looked bad in moments, too, playing defense occasionally in his career. Um, no, it's a it's a rough moment for uh, for Halsey. Uh, gets beat down the, uh, the, the side of the box there, pass back to the middle of the box where... I guess the entire rest of the defense took the play off. And, there was uh, a def- there was a deflection on this play, so there yeah, was, was a weird there, de- there was a weird off def- of Halsey's foot. Deflection off Halsey's foot doesn't excuse the fact that mascara for Atlanta, the Atlanta mascara, faux mascara as opposed to our their son as opposed to our son. <laughs> he is unmarked. He had time to wind up and, you know, let the power meter build up completely before he takes his shot. Yeah. Entire defense ball watching in that moment. Not great. And like uh, you said, it it, it very much felt like there there could be a lot of goals being scored on (laughs) FC Cincinnati. You know, it it was a it was a really terrible moment for Halsey. Mm -hmm. I mean, he. Even though he was tight on the guy he was guarding, he was completely physically he was completely physically dominated yeah. by him. And then he doesn't get a good enough touch on the ball to get it out of bounds. It deflects off of his foot into space right in the middle of the box. Yeah. You know, you could say like our def- our guys should have tracked that ball better, maybe, but um also though that like Mascara was in the best position to run to where that ball was going to be because of where he was in the box and the direction yeah. his body was facing. Well, um, part of it is, too, is Yuya Kubo is with him right up until the moment where Kubo just keeps running and Mascara stops and takes like two steps backwards. And suddenly Kubo is double teaming somebody with Ian Murphy and his guy is now wide open just in front of the penalty spot. Yeah. So, like I said, so this like, I is think Kubo's was, fault, not Halsey's. We all agree. Well, okay. Good. Yeah. I think it was a. I think it was a terrible moment for Halsey. But again, like he had a lot of really good moments as well throughout the half. Yes, yeah. he did. And like, I don't think there was any cause. I was kind of expecting him to get subbed off at half for Arius, mm-hmm. um, unless like we had somehow built up like a long, a large lead in the first half but i don't think it was any i don't think the sub was due to performance you know maybe maybe pat noonan's in a press conference right now saying, saying that it was a performance based uh, it was a performance no, based and maybe pat think Noonan's saying I don't think like, he's ever thrown a player under the bus like that. no i don't think he has <laughs> um so yeah like 
I thought Halsey was very good. He he made he almost made some stuff happen a lot. Um, he also had a weak cross right before that. I know. Yeah. Yeah. But like nobody was passing well on the night. (laughs) And like, I'm sorry. I still think if, if there's somebody on this roster who's going to be starting where Boreal is right now next year, it's still Halsey. Yeah. It's still Halsey. They could bring someone in. Sure. But if I've got this team minus Barriel and probably Vasquez next year, it's Halsey there. So. You're gonna have you're gonna have to blow me away with somebody to make up for the fact that Halsey is on such a low dollar deal, playing as competently as he is. And to give Halsey his credit, he didn't let that horror show moment keep him down. He played effectively the remainder of the half. He had probably. FC Cincinnati's best chance on goal in that first half when he does a little give and go action with Lucho and he's on an okay angle and kind of scuffs under the yeah. ball trying to get it on. Looks on like the frame. ball took a weird turf bounce as well. Right. Yeah. He's still a pro and like some like pros do finish that there. And also pros don't finish that there, right? I mean No, I mean there was there was an astronomical <laughs> number of chances like that for FC Cincinnati tonight took, where the pro doesn't finish it. He took a lot of he did a lot of work, though, just to make that happen and get to get into that spot. Right. right. And that's worth recognizing. Right. Yeah. Especially for a young player who's just started really getting minutes with the team. A week ago. And is in his first year, as far as I can tell, playing wing back, as we discussed, he was primarily a central midfielder. Yeah, you know, you know where Halsey learned that, you know, ability to just take his lumps and keep going. Watching Dr. Cop, attorney at law. No, I was going to say the, uh, you know, hard nosed, fickle real estate market. Ah. <laughs> hey, you're not going to win every offer. All right. Every yeah. bid is not going to be accepted. It's tough. Look, out there. he's you a young yourself he's in a, the game. You win more a, than you lose. He's a young kid. He's visiting Atlanta for the first time as a pro. Maybe spent a little too much time at Magic City last night. You know what happens? It happens. I've heard they've got great wings. Lou Williams insists that the wings can't be beat there. I like to think that he thinks uh, scared money don't make money every time he's on the ball. Because like that's that. basically how he plays. <laughs> he, some kicking steckovers in this game, too. You love to see that as well. Uh, so I think you ever on think, a like, whole, yeah. You ever think players look at a player like, like Halsey doing his stackovers, and they're just like, who the, who the, who are you? What are you doing? <laughs> I tell, I imagine half of MLS looks at the other half of yeah, MLS. Ex- exactly, exactly. <laughs> look at you playing the same game as me. <laughs> so like, you know how you shoot the the basketball and you just yell out Kobe if you think you're going to make the three pointer. What do you yell out on the field when you're doing stackovers? Is it Balotelli? Lucho. 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 Dino. Yeah. What they, what they really need in pro in MLS that would really, for those moments alone, is do, do you guys ever watch back in the day the And One mixtape tour when it was on ESPN? <laughs> I'm aware of a Skip to My Lou. And- yeah, Skip to My Lou, Hot Sauce. They, they had the touring show that was on ESPN. It was like the first reality show ESPN ever did where they would go from city to city. And if you were good enough in the game, it was one of the local guys, you made the bus to keep going 
to potentially earn a and one baller contract. The uh, the guy, <laughs> the guy, the professor, the white dude from Oregon ended up winning it the one and only season I watched. But at these games that they would play, they would have one guy who was just this enormous like 400 pound dude called Escalade that would just be walking <laughs> behind the play with a hot, with like an arena mic and just narrating what was going on. Like, and just would be making fun of people as shit was going on. Like, Oh my God, he got him again. He got him again. That's my son. <laughs> That's my son right there. I need that when people start doing stack overs. I need someone, <laughs> a hype man with the house mic for the arena. Oh, look what he's doing. Look what he's doing. Oh, don't watch his feet. Don't watch his. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, now I really want. I'll take it in a slightly different direction. A uh, Chris Berman recap recap of MLS each night, and it's just that. I need Whoop. I need a whole lot of whoops. And Whoop. yeah, <laughs> we're just making like the as uh as Matt Miazga trucks another pe- person on a jumping uh a jumping aerial ball, just doing the old Mike Allstott the. <laughs> <laughs> he got jacked up you remember that segment that aged so poorly before we knew what cte was we no, just celebrated people anymore. you can't they don't like you celebrating look no. at him he can't even feel his feet man it's a wild time in the nfl yeah you can go back and you can watch the intro video online for madden 2000 with the theme song sung by Ludacris. and in the intro video Go Google this and just count how many of the hits featured would actually be legal in a modern NFL game. Right. It's an alarmingly small number. And they're all all wearing these teeny tiny plastic helmets. It's great. Yeah, that's yeah, good. Great sport. Uh, Can't for wait for it to be back. For the rest of the first half, the only other note I have is uh, Wobodo's uh, ghost yellow card. And boy, I have never seen him more fired up than in this moment um just it took believe it or not matt niazga to tell him to calm down and to pull him out of <laughs> you, a fight you've really <laughs> really fucked up on the anger scale when matt niazga is saying hey buddy it's okay you can we'll get him next time <laughs> that could be like a that could be like a thing though right where like you you pay your your bigger buddy or you get your bigger buddy to act like you're the dangerous one to like intimidate somebody yeah it would be funny to find out that like Woboto is actually the rage monster on this team and like he's just been keeping it contained the entire time and finally this is what what did it for him you know it's funny if you go back and look at his like his yellow card record if you weren't watching these games you probably would assume that he was like the fiery you know cannonball in midfield just bowling everyone over right uh, but he's really cool calm and collected most of the time it was this this one got him fired up and rightfully so he just came back from a yellow card accumulation suspension and um yeah, he's was, right was, back on that was, train. What was received a card for what wasn't even a foul? No, like the the turf, FC Cincinnati and the turf, a better storyline. The turf trips this dude up into Wobodo. It's arguably a foul on this guy, and right. Wobodo comes out of it with a card. And God, was he fired! Like I thought for certain he was going to be risk uh, risk of getting carded up again because he went and he tracked the ref down after half. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing to me that he ends this game without getting another yellow card and finishes to the full 90, just like 
incredible. Think, Every other midfielder gets subbed off. Yeah. Do you think in games like this that the the ref at half goes back and he checks the tape and he's like, ah, fuck. Yeah, he's gonna be away. With, he can get away with murder in the second half. He's not getting a second yellow from me. That's that's not gonna happen. <laughs> well, you know, I generally, okay, I'm. I think players shouldn't be getting up in in refs' faces and yelling yeah. at them. And I always want Miazga and Lucho. Well, not always, because sometimes you know, like. Sometimes it's kind of warranted, yeah. um, but I always want them to like kind of pull it back a little bit. But like, at what point is there any responsibility on officials to go back and like, like, especially like a player like Wobodo, who's a designated player in Major League Soccer, one of the you know best players in the league, has had more yellow cards for stuff that wasn't even fouls. Or even times when he himself was the one fouled, right? Than like there's anybody had ever seen, and it's costing him games. There's it's costing. Should... It's costing the maybe you know, it's costing a top three player on the best team in Major League Soccer games because the referees in this league do not do their homework or aren't simply good enough or fast enough to call him appropriately. It's it's absurd to me that they have VAR. And that all these plays are checked in wherever, you know, MLS headquarters are in New York. And they're watching these all at a centralized location. At the half, there's no reason why in a situation like that, at the half, the league shouldn't be rescinding obviously incorrect yellow cards. Because it's not just about suspensions. It's also about this changes the way he has to play for the rest of the game on an obviously incorrect call. And I'm not talking about like, you know, okay, we're going to do judgment calls on the official and we're going to try and second guess the official. This was an obviously incorrect call. Not that you would know that from listening to the Apple TV announcers who couldn't be more fucking clueless about this, but in an obviously incorrect call, that card should be rescinded by the league at half. There's no reason in 2023 with them reviewing all of these plays, they don't have the manpower to do that to make these the, the to protect the integrity of these games. Yeah, and I go back to like VAR is useless and it's because of things like this. Like if you're going to allow a video assistant referee or video assisted review to like be able to go back and review bleh, review these things, pulling back yellow cards should be a thing. And I don't even think that's actually an option in the VAR rule book set that you can just resend a yellow card you could reassign it to somebody else but like once there's a but card you, out there i don't think you, you don't can do back. it you, you can even do have to it, stop but... the game you don't even have to stop the game to do it which right. is even more absurd like you can just be like oh by the way 10 15 minutes later var has checked that and they've rescinded the yellow card to obina wobodo that'd be so easy you don't even have to you don't you can just announce it over the pa system in the stadium you don't have to make a show of the ref doing the you know incomplete pass or any of that shit just do it and move on yeah but the like the the disciplinary some the disciplinary report should be pulling yellow cards like this one back and like the one that he got against nashville Mm -hmm. where he wasn't like two feet away from the like he wasn't within two feet of the player right. who just stuck his foot into the ground and tripped. Right. Like, 
it's it's absurd because again like it it not it not just causes players to potentially be suspended right um but it also changes how they can play the rest of the game and it's impossible it's impossible to adjust it's impossible to yeah. play away it, like it's it's literally impossible for ob to just like play so clean right that he doesn't get a yellow card he's not touching these guys when they're giving him <laughs> yellow cards and he's not touching people like you like, can't, it's you like can't oh you gotta softer. be better than the refs well if the refs just awarded the other team four goals to start the game you can't right. be better than that right <laughs> and like i'm already annoyed that we've clenched now so this is not jinxing it like I don't know the exact rules, but I'm just preparing myself for like Wobodo not being there for a semifinal in the in the playoffs because of some yellow card accumulation bullshit there. I think he was going to be suspended for the Open Cup final if we had made it there. He was. Like it's just like we are going to be missing our best players in these moments. And like, I don't know. Like I'll be that guy and say, like, at what point can he get the superstar treatment? And I know he's not a marketable asset, but like can or at least just recognize that he has the ability to make tackles that other players don't. Yeah. And what or kills ask me. Ask yourself why he's not a marketable asset. That's an uncomfortable fucking conversation for mm. the league to have. Sure. Yeah. It's like I what I worry about is that like the referees have all decided he has a reputation and he gets no benefit of the doubt because of their like compounding incompetence of calling him that now he's just a yellow card magnet because he's a yellow card magnet. These are the same people who called you Yakubo, a dirty player, right? Like my goodness. (laughs) Any there's, there is, I'm not, I'm not going to say what it's, I'm going to do a Kanye. I'm not going to say what it's based on. Don't get us canceled, Grayson. But there yeah, is twelve people will be very disappointed if this podcast goes off the air. There, there, there are some complicated factors at play that seem to affect how players are perceived and officiated. Yeah, I mean, I'll go a step further and say it's hard not to notice the vast majority of these referees are white, and the two guys that we feel are being the most maligned are, say, not white. So and the only the only Japanese player in the league, I think. At least the only DP, but yeah, I think he is the only player. Um yeah. Super mm. annoying. Uh Diego Chara, I think, had a similar treatment up in Portland. And uh yeah, also black guy from Colombia. Uh moving on then at halftime. Substitutions. Uh Arius comes in from Halsey, as we've all discussed, probably pre-planned, but maybe Noonan's already outed as his liars by the time this is released junior moreno for sergio santos there's an interesting one this put lucho up top we've seen this before when we've tried to save lucho's legs but we were trailing in this one kind of an odd substitution and again weird sub that if you had another striker on the bench you might not have needed to make but Nonetheless, uh, these subs come in, and to the, my you, eye, you yeah, did please. have you did have Yu Yakubo on the field, which does give yes. you a little more positional fluidity. And yep. in this second half, what you saw when you watched was that Lucho and Kubo kind of traded places for the majority yes. of the 
Kubo's time on the field. So I think he eventually gets pulled down from Marco Angulo at some point. But for as long as Kubo was on the field, um, he would drift forward to allow Lucho to drift back deeper into the midfield. And it, it did cause problems for Atlanta in terms of them trying to figure out positionally where FC Cincinnati was going to be. And this game gets wide open in the second yeah. half. Just yeah. It felt like watching a hockey game at some points, just with the ball <laughs> moving back and forth. Uh, people making, on both sides, just making wide open runs directly at goal. Two and three odd man breaks. It was very disjointed uh, in the second half of this game. Yeah, don't don't give Atlanta ideas. You know, they could put the Thrashers in Mercedes Benz as well. And we could very well be playing MLS games on ice at some point <laughs> in the future. Um yeah, no, this this game did turn into a wild one. This is one that like and I know we we've talked quite a bit about uh Nick Haglin. I know Doyle had a couple of tweets about Haglin's value since he came into this team, but like Haglin is such a chaotic defender that he thrives in moments like this. Like he is just flailing all over the place and like doing it well is clearing the ball is staying with their attackers. It was a, I don't know. This was a Nick Haglin masterclass game. It's especially the second half. I really like, enjoyed uh, it. He's like Domino from Deadpool 2. Yes. That's exactly his superpower it. is just like luck being just incredibly like lucky and like smoothly surviving, surviving chaos. That's him, man. You're like, like when, like when he was doing that slide to the Ed line. Yes. Um, it's like, it's like, you know, when she's like jumping through like the bullets and is just like contorting her body in a way that they all happen to miss. <laughs> he's like, oh. <laughs> Nick Haglin went from on first watch, like giving up an obvious penalty to upon the slow motion zoomed in replay, the ball never went out, never touched his hand and should have easily launched yeah. an FCC counterattack. Also, it was not a penalty, not a penalty. Wouldn't no. have been a penalty. He's sliding. The, Fair. the rules understand that when you slide, your arm is going to be on the ground. That's. There's a lot of guidance out there. And I believe Howard Webb even mentioned it specifically in his video last year with Andrew Wiebe okay. explaining what's a handball, what's not. Sure. That that shouldn't be called a handball. But so, also, we've seen that called plenty of times. So or if you're at looking, least a non, non-guideline. Continue. If you're looking at the FC Cincinnati backline and you're trying to equate them to famous martial artists in film, okay. Matt Miazga got a Steven Seagal vibe to him. It's very sure. direct. He's going to break your neck from behind, just snap and move on. Um, you've got Ian Murphy in the middle where he's more of your traditional. He and Yerson kind of give off that kind of Bruce Lee vibe, the B water, always be moving the right way. Um, one step ahead. Nick Hagland is Jackie Chan. Yep. He's he's <laughs> drunken boxing is what yes. he is. Where yeah, he won't talk to his gay daughter. <laughs> Wait, no, just kidding. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I bet he would. <laughs> Nick Hagland would definitely talk. Nick Hagland would. So he's better than Jackie Chan. <laughs> Nick Hagland better than Jackie Chan. That's the post's official uh, take on this. No, Chief, I can't think. that That is so good. That, that is the perfect... Perfect analogy. 
And um, I guess Alvis Powell is like somebody's high school yellow belt who comes into the game. He's like, the guy oh, that he... dies really early in Bloodsport. <laughs> so like, if we're doing this, it's like Matt Miazga is Steven Seagal. I'm going to say that Yurison Mascara has got that Jean-Claude Van Damme vibe to him a little bit. Okay, um, I like that. Jackie Chan is Yerson definitely Nick Hag- do the time cop thing. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm struggling on Ian Murphy here. Like, I think Bruce Lee is probably he's not mastery enough to be Bruce Lee. Can we give him Chuck Norris then? What it's about Chalion? What about Chalion Fat? Well, I like Chalion Fat. He's like an actor first before martial artist, but he's capable of pulling it off. Or Jet you know, under appropriate direction. Who Jet yeah. Li's good? Michelle Yao, maybe. Like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, like she's you know, a ballerina. And we're hoping that he's going to develop later in his career into an Academy Award winner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, that they're done. <laughs> I recently got back listening into the Wu Tang at the gym, and it's made me think I really want to watch more kung fu movies. <laughs> Man. Grayson, who was your favorite? Grayson, who was your favorite member of the Wu Tang Clan? Uh, the RZA. It's a basic answer. Yeah, but he makes the he makes the kung fu movies. He does make the like the RZA has unquestionably had the best post Wu career. Like the man has actually gotten yeah. into Hollywood and done some <laughs> shit. Can I say Redman? Even though I don't think he's, he's not technically a, a no, member. he's not he's not he's not really a member. No. You got you got nine choices. Red Man is a punk answer in this space. Wow. What about okay? What about Questlove? That was a joke. 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 Sir, I I just wanted to see people. I just wanted to see people's the thirty six chambers for that answer. I mean, Ghostface would be my basic answer. Ghostface is a basic answer. It's a good answer though. I like Ghostface. People forget uh, Ray Kwan was calling himself Tony Stark way before the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe was a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. MF Doom was way into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, as it were, before. Oh, no shit. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody could have seen that coming. <laughs> what, what told you about that except for everything about him? Oh, wait, no. Ghostface was Tony Stark. Fuck, what am I thinking? His first, his first fucking CD was called Iron Man. What? Dude, we are, we are getting, we're getting a little afield of, of, of our... Of our strengths, whatever. A Wu Tang best eleven. Okay. Um. (laughs) Don't sleep on the master killer. He phenomenal solo efforts from him. (laughs) Anyway, Marco Angulo comes in for Yuya Kubo and Chief. I will let you heap all of the praise on Marco Angulo right now. Had a hell of a game, honestly. (laughs) No, they. This is why we talked earlier in the year about Angulo was that, yeah, he was going to have rough minutes and he had rough minutes earlier in the year. But we said at the start of the year, you've got to give this kid a year. You've got to let this kid develop. And you are watching right now the benefit of giving Angulo minutes in games like that Chicago fire game that was a dumpster fire until Lucho came in where he looked rough. Now you bring him into a game where you're chasing points. And you need him to be a ball hawk, a good pass. You need him to be in everything in the midfield in this game. And he was everything in the midfield in this game. It was so good to see him, too, because he does come in and he kind of occupies the 10 space. Although, as as we said, it was very fluid, but like he did that job very well. And it it, and there were multiple times in the second half where they're pushing for anything. 
They're pushing for a goal. They are leaving themselves exposed at the back. And specifically, Ian Murphy and Marco Angulo at separate points in this second half had bailout stops to break out, to, to stop what should have been easy goal scoring opportunities for Atlanta. Um, yeah. Junior Moreno had an incredible bailout stop right on the doorstep, blocking a shot that was destined for the back of the net. Um, just superlative individual efforts defensively to hold this game at one nil and keep them in it long enough for Lucho to do his <laughs> his little tricks. And my God, I I'm sure I'm I'm missing something, but this to me is a top three Lucho goal for FCC. This was an incredible goal. Like I I loved every second of this. The play starts with uh, Wobodo with a massive cross field uh, cross to Arias, who then cuts it back for Lucho. Lucho charges at the defense, finds Junior Moreno's forehead, who just very calmly, coolly plays it right back into the path of Lucho and on the bounce does a sort of skipping shot with his outside left foot across goal. Like, there isn't a goalkeeper in the world that is expecting this thing to happen. It's a looping shot. It manages to come back down before it hits the goal. Just incredible. Um, and yeah, it's just, there's there's no stopping this. And SEC ties this game up. And I, uh, I think right before this tweeted out, this game has five more goals in it. And I was really feeling it when the first one went in. I was like, you know what? This would be pretty dope if we see five more goals in this last 15. Because it wasn't long before they did it again. Um, so any more on, on this? Before, yeah, please. Before we move on, I definitely need to know your guys' take on this. Okay. So you ever watch a basketball game where yes. someone's oh. really feeling it and they do the alley-oop off the backboard to themselves? Yes. <laughs> Was Lucho Acosta doing this with Junior Moreno? Because he kicks it directly into his head. <laughs> There's no other play that Moreno can do with this ball other than knock it back to Lucho. Was he passing to himself here? You wouldn't be able to tell otherwise yeah because i mean lucho didn't seem particularly surprised <laughs> right. when the ball came back to him but he also like never seems surprised like no matter what the ball does no, but like he he kicks the ball to moreno yeah. right at his What's head he thinking and then <laughs> loops around two defenders right back to where the only trajectory that makes sense for the ball <laughs> to be like <laughs> What I love about this is we see Lucho get frustrated with teammates all the time, throws his arms up, you know, and a lot of times it doesn't make sense. And this goal helps give you a glimpse into Lucho's mind. He is imagining something like this on every single play. The, yeah. This is how he draws up every single time he has the ball running at the defense like he's and just... yeah when when Brenner or when <laughs> Brenner when when Bupenza doesn't do the backheel pass that goes off of the defender's legs right into Lucha's path he's furious because yeah, like, he sees in it his, in his mind like the Monado has already shown him this like there's like this is bounced here that's bounced there why didn't you see this right. too I can see it why can't you see it I'm gonna hit it off your forehead it's gonna bounce here I'm gonna loop these two guys and I'm gonna beat 
Kuzan with a cross goal shot. How did you not know that was what was going to happen right here? <laughs> the only thing that I think was maybe left up to chance, and this goes back to your and one comments, is it would have been just a little bit sweeter if he'd played it off the back of a defender's head, which was on the table uh, during this play. So if he pings it off the back of a defender's head and does this, it might be the greatest goal of all time. He does have the mind of an artist. Right? <laughs> like, yes. like we talked about, we talked about how DJs have like really beautiful minds. Yeah. Like Lucho is the type of guy who'd be like, no, this mix is going to solve racism. <laughs> This will work, trust me. Lucha Geta. It it works like 10% of the time, but that's why you like to see him try. So because of this, because I genuinely believe he was passing to himself here, I am awarding the official, unofficial post-assist of the game to Mm. Lucho Acosta, (laughs) assisting on his own goal. (laughs) And that, my friends, is why he's an MVP. I love this. Absolutely love this. Uh, Well, it was only five minutes later when they did it again. And folks, I think this one is a quintessential Cincinnati play. Like, this is exactly how FCC would like to draw up every goal, I feel like. Because they pressure Guzan into a bad clearance down the field where it is won by a combination of Nick Haglund, Santiarius, and uh, Obina Wobodo. Wobodo immediately passes to Moreno, Moreno to Lucho, Lucho to Barial, Barial crosses it over to Vasquez, streaking in front of goal. Bing, bang, boom. That is exactly how they draw these up. That is, if there is a set design play that they are running in practice, it's this one, and it works to perfection. And we were just three goals away from my five more goals prediction because they were just pouring it on at this point. Grayson, you love to see it. You just love to see these things come together, yeah? (laughs) Yeah, you do. Um, I thought they did a nice job seeing the game out. I do want to give... So we were we we've talked about the team's refusal to take the ball into the corner. Yeah. Um, Lucho's the first person I've ever seen take the ball into the corner in the middle of the field. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what that was. <laughs> he, he made he made like probably the greatest run that I'd ever seen him do, like all the way up the center of the pitch. <laughs> totally stalled the ball at the top of uh, Atlanta's box, and yeah. then found I don't know who it was. I don't remember who it was. Uh, and then, uh, and then yeah, fell right over him. for <laughs> exhaustion. No, it was like it was like one of those old Barry Sanders runs on the NFL films yes. where like somehow he manages to juke out 25 players on defense, even though there's only 11 on the field. Like right. the same guys are getting over and getting faked out again. But like that was big tricks. That wasn't little tricks at all. Yeah, no, that, that was big tricks. It was I, incredible. I, I don't want to let this get biased, though, that. Good for Brandon Vasquez because he was having a horror show of a game prior to that goal. He uh, couldn't get a foot on one of the best balls I have ever seen um, Sergio Santos play in his career. Um, It was a perfectly weighted cross that like I watched four replays. I still have no idea how Vasquez didn't get a foot on the ball. I think that being generous to him, it took an interesting final bounce off the turf. Yeah. But perfect opportunity, not less than five, ten minutes prior to this goal that he scores uh, off the Cincinnati play. 
he gets a ball directly in front of net where he goes low to head the ball. And it was in a position where it was harder to miss from the spot that he was at than it would be like, it's hard to get your head on the ball because he had to go really low to get down. But once you get your head on the ball, he was directly in front of net, had the entire net to head at and somehow put it over or to the side of the, the, the frame. And you had the feeling in your mind that, oh, this is here we go again. It's another game for Vasquez where he's tripping over the ball. He's not really offering the kind of goal scoring threat we need. And it just takes one play and being in the right place and, and making the consistent fit, the, the clean finish. And all that's written away like nobody cares now because he got his goal and they won the game. Yeah. And, and he was on side. And he was, and on, he was side. on side. Despite VAR's best efforts there. Um, and very quietly now, Vasquez, I believe we're at 16 goals this so calendar year. 17, 17 this calendar year for club and country. 13 for FC Cincinnati in all competitions. And for various reasons, commentators have been counting League's Cup goals in players' goal tallies. Interesting. For, That's suspicious. I'm sure some specific reasons, but um, so Brandon's five goals, we cannot discount those or his three. Yeah, yeah. he has five in the league, five in League's Cup, and three in Open Cup. That's you know who is discounting those? And then goals. he has four for the national team. You know who is discounting those goals? Greg Berhalter. <laughs> yeah, completely discounted. Very true. So, uh, you know, like, yeah, people have people have talked about, you know, Brandon having a down year and yeah, he's got fewer goals in the league, but. Good 17 this calendar year for club and country. Yeah, especially That's pretty good. Like. Sure, the Open Cup is one thing, but like for country, some solid opposition and uh, against Chivas, like. That was that was the League's Cup, like solid competition. So it's not like it's MLS and then le- lesser competition. He's he's scoring right. these he goals against yeah. good teams. Wasn't racking the total up against the Rochester Rhinos in the Open right. Cup or anything like that. Right. Yeah, he right. scored his goals against Kansas All? City, Chivas, yeah. and Nashville. Yeah, and Open Cup did semifinal. He, he scored one against Louisville. Pittsburgh or Pittsburgh. No, Kimi got one against. That's who it was. Louisville. The Brandon got his against NYCFC, right? Yeah, I was going to say, I think he's he only scored one. NYC, he scored yeah. one against, only one of those is against USL level yeah. competition. So, solid. Like, well yeah. done to, to Vasquez. Um, and that means he's probably not here next year. At least not all of next year. We'll see what happens. Yeah, good um, for him. Yeah, and the game ends uh And he's putting the ball one. in the net. We'll meet him, too. Yeah. He's he has shown up in big moments, I will say. Like that is something that you can't take away from Vasquez. It's not like he shrinks on the uh on the biggest stages for this team. So um elsewhere in MLS, is there anything else we want to talk about this game? I feel like we've no, talked a lot win. about this. Um uh, I did want to briefly touch on uh some uh some scoreboard watching. Solid night 
for some scoreboard watching for FCC. You got Miami and Nashville uh, drew nil nil. New England Revolution won one to nothing. If you were really pulling for a perfect night, you wouldn't have wanted to see that. Uh, But Toronto beat Philadelphia three to one. New manager bounce, something there. Um, It does look like St. Louis did win, but the Columbus crew lost to Houston Dynamo. Um, I think that's really it for the rest of this evening. Orlando City tied Mm, Orlando tied Charlotte. That was Orlando City is now third in the East, so they've played their way into this this conversation, I guess. Okay. So So what you're really looking at right now is FC Cincinnati is 10 points clear of St. Louis and 11 points clear of New England, New England. But New England does still have the annoying game in hand right now. Yeah. But yeah. as Philly learned, you got to got to win, that win game your, in hand. You have to win your game in hand, <laughs> which is. So that's where it is with what? Eight to play now. Eight for us. Nine for um, some other teams. Only seven for Atlanta. Man, looking at the uh, Atlanta supporters- can fuck around and. Play themselves out of the playoffs. That's not, true. But. Nashville also is closer to missing the playoffs than the supporter shield race, which is wild considering where that conversation was maybe a month and a half ago. Yeah, Nashville's out of the supporter shield race at this point. They're they got 18 eight, behind us. 18 with same number of matches played. They're yep. done. Like it would I mean, take a catastrophic collapse of every team ahead of them in order yeah. for them to make a run at the shield at this point. At this point, Not just us, like everyone else, too. Yeah. I think St. Louis is genuinely the only other one in this race. New England. You have to include New England if you include St. Louis. You have to. Because New England could win their game in hand and be only eight points back from us. I understand that, but New England has tougher opposition. Like, New England's not going to go undefeated against their schedule. St. Louis could. Like that's kind of what I'm looking at. I mean, New it's England, like, they New England finishes tough. Philadelphia, Nashville, Orlando, Columbus, but they've got some dog shit games before that. In Austin, Minnesota, Colorado, Chicago, Charlotte. Yeah, like this is why tonight was a big. If you're if you're already shield watching for FC Cincinnati, why tonight was a big deal winning this game is they've got to make sure that New England doesn't get closer to them until yeah. that brutal finishing run comes for them. The earlier they can put this to bed, the better for us. I so, assume Grayson's going to go here, but I'm looking at St. Louis's schedule. It's brutal. <laughs> yeah, so they go to Kansas City, who seems to have, you know, found their it together. Yeah. To LA Galaxy. To Houston Dynamo, Whew. who just beat Columbus th- 2-0 Pretty good in team. Houston. Then they host LAFC. Then they go to Minnesota, host Sporting KC, to Vancouver, really tough place to play. And then they host Seattle. So they have one, two, three, they have five of their last eight on the road. Every one, like, at a pretty tough place to play. No bad team. Against a team. Yeah. Either in a playoff position or like, not too like Galaxy and Sporting are not in a playoff position, but they're not that far off from a playoff position either. I guess Galaxy is a bad team, but yeah, yeah. Like- but Galaxy added; I mean, they still beat LAFC at um 
in the Rose Bowl. Yeah. And, and they've, they've added, added a couple of guys. They've added a couple guys. Somehow, despite their transfer ban. And, you know, it's everybody has a everybody has a bad record on the road. Like somebody yeah. pointed out in the Discord that they kept harping on FC Cincinnati struggling on the road because they was they were like whatever the record was. Yeah. FC Cincinnati has one of the best home best best away <laughs> records in the league. Right. Yeah. And MLS is, yeah, like you said, just like notoriously difficult for road games and has one of the largest disparities between home records and away records in any top flight league and like the top 10, 15 leagues. It's, and of it's course, pretty dramatic. And of course, St. Louis won today. Yeah. In a game where their opponent's goalie got a red <laughs> card in the 12th minute and every goal was scored in the 82nd minute or later. <laughs> That's the most St. Louis thing ever. Can we fix it? Yes, we can. <laughs> oh, God. Well, should we discuss oh, this I wanted to match? point something oh, out. Please. And you should. Um, Hasn't stopped <clears throat> you yet, or any of us for that matter. Right, sorry. <laughs> no, it's we're being verbose um, tonight, as usual. Who, who would have thought? FC Cincinnati mm -hmm. is currently on 57 points. It's pretty good. Two of Columbus Crew's supporter shields came from 57 points in the season. Ah, I love this. Granted, those were 30 game seasons. Sure. But also we've, granted, we've only played 26. Hey. <laughs> On balance, we've had better season this year so far. Stop it right now. Then all but one Crew of did. Columbus's seasons. Yeah. And there's two final takeaways. Because if, you know, we're going long, we're going long. Number one, clinched a playoff spot tonight. Looking at the FCC Twitter account, it's got the little X on there. Love mm. that. Love that for us. And this was tweeted earlier today. And so I'm not going to fact check it because I believe everything I read on X or posted or whatever the fuck they call it these days. By winning this game, FC Cincinnati has now moved above the Chivas line which means that we have a better winning percentage than Chivas LA, meaning that, yes, we are no longer statistically the worst club in MLS history. It's honestly, it's a big, it's a big burden off of this club, this franchise, because Chivas started off strong. Go look up some of their early rosters. Like, really good roster real who's who of like who's still involved in mls um their last like five six years horrible horrific you mm, at least our wooden spoon years were interesting bad theirs were awful and nobody showed up to their games it was miserable and it was pretty embarrassing that on average we had a worst franchise record worst franchise record in terms, of in terms of points per game yeah. played. Yeah. 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 Points per, per game played. And so, yeah. Big, and it's, big it's hard. And it's, and it's hard to see us ever, like, knock on wood. It's hard to see, as long as Albright and Noon are in our charge, it's hard to see us ever falling below that line. Yeah. Ever again. I mean, I don't know how close we are, but like if it's I guess it's possible if we, we lose like, the next game. We lose the next game. <laughs> we fall in there. But like I don't think no. but it's not it right. it shouldn't really be something we ever think about again. Right. In my opinion. Right. 
it's just it's finally getting that burden of worst worst franchise in in MLS. It's nice to not have that statistically hanging around anymore. Um, yeah. All right. Let's talk about Orlando and this weekend's match uh, over in part two, and then maybe we get out of here. Less than two hours. Let's see what happens. All right, we are back and we are, my God, previewing another match. Does it ever stop? Um, it does after this weekend, actually, at least for a little bit. Uh, FC Cincinnati hosts the Orlando City SC. Uh, two teams from USL, both uh, respective uh, USL super clubs in their day. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't I don't know too much about this one like i think this is an interesting test for like what a good playoff game should look like maybe not the first round playoff game but a second round playoff game could absolutely be against orlando they have a team chock full of young south american talent put together by oscar perea i mean this is a solid team they won the open cup last year they look to be doing pretty good um Grayson, vibes going into this one for you. I mean, vibes got to be good. It's a home game. Yeah. Coming off two wins. Uh, Orlando just had a tough draw against Charlotte on the road. They're probably, I assume they're not going to go back to Orlando in the meantime. I guess I could be wrong, but. Um, so, you know, they're on a little bit of a road stretch. Mm -hmm. um, Orlando's in like decent form. Um, they had a valiant exit in the open cup i mean they fought hard um facundo torres is always a player who can hurt you yes yeah, 10 he's, goals already this season yeah and he's like kind of perpetually linked to like arsenal <laughs> yeah, and like right. clubs of that of that level um they did just lose their dp striker he wasn't uh aircon Kara, maybe they didn't lose him yet, but they're about to like he's got a he's deal. He's the Spaniard, Turkish, Turkish. Okay, never mind. He's on the verge of a transfer that you know is going to go through. I guess any day now. He was held out tonight, pending that move. Mm. Um, he he was for a DP underperforming, but somebody who was always dangerous. And certainly capable of getting getting his goals. So it's better for us that he not be there. Although they've had how many goals did Duncan McGuire have this year? Like eight. They seem to have found like their next Daryl yeah. DK. Yeah. They <laughs> like dress they strikers so well. Yeah. So, you know, Duncan McGuire is a guy to look out for. Creighton guy, big yeast. But, you know. We shouldn't be worried about. We shouldn't be scared of anybody. Yeah. Um. Every good. Every there's a lot of good teams in this league. None of them are as good as us. And it's a home game. Haven't lost at home this year. No. This will so, be unfortunately another game where I hate. Um. Tonight, hate the fact that there was another mascara on the field. And so anytime <laughs> somebody said mascara, you have to deal with like, wait, what? Who? Uh. They haven't. Uh. Ivan Ingulo plays for Orlando City. He's one of their... Oh, um, yeah, they do. Another, Col another Colombian. And uh, yeah, that's going to be fucking annoying that there's another Angulo on the field at the same time as potentially Marco. 
their uh, starting left back is also Rafael Santos. So yeah. get ready to enjoy Santos on Santos violence there. Um, yeah, I uh, the only other thing that I'll note is uh, I have a note here from Fatmap. They, being Orlando, ranked first away from home this season. So we're just talking about home records. And I don't know how Fatmob is categorizing that versus somebody else. Maybe they got the most points on the road or we have a better win percentage. I don't know exactly how that's being measured. I mean, Pere has a great coach. Like he's really a really yeah. real top coach in MLS. And like when we played them there, I recall us basically dominating, but getting nothing all that threatening through. Yeah. And I think it was a, I'm pretty sure it was a tie down at their place. It's like the second game of the season, right? Yeah. Third so they game seem, of the season. So, you know, they're going to come in with a plan. Uh, we just got to help our guys, you know, yeah, overcome that plan. And, you know, hopefully we see Bupenza back. That's really just, that's exactly where I was going. That's really my main, my main thing. Like, I don't expect to see, Mascara or Baji um, no. ahead of this two week break. But, but Bupenza um, being back would be. Bupenza back, get a win at home, and then take the two weeks to rest up. I think you're feeling real good. Yeah. I also want to point out, too, um, or note that uh, one, there's one of the most punchable face players in the entirety of MLS plays for Orlando City, Robin Janssen. <laughs> who looks like a he looks like a shitty villain in a Rocky movie. Oh, I love it. <laughs> so I always like a good punchable face preview. That's always yeah. good. <laughs> that might be if we ever start doing an MLS show, we might just need to go through and just like who's got the most punchable face for each matchup. Like who do you Brooke, really Brooks really... Lennon was tonight. Yeah. The most punchable starting eleven. Who has the most punchable face on FC Cincinnati? Like, who would be the person that's taking a punch? Matt Miazga, absolutely. I was going to say that. I just wanted to cycle through, but... I could see I, Roman selling. Roman was... I, was, I might have gone with Roman. <laughs> that might be... He's got a little bit of a frat boy kind of look to him. Where, like, you know, he might still be doing keg stands somewhere. Uh, if so you were I was going to gonna ask, say oh. Miazga and Mascara are probably... the the players that other teams fans get most upset about oh my that, god it's gotta be but, it's gotta be lucho it's like that's but, but but mascara has such good body language yeah like i but like miazga injury <laughs> yeah like miazga i miazga i see i see being a bit hateable for opposing fans mascara i don't i don't i mean yeah he he pulls his he pulls his little defensive tricks, but like he puts a big smile on his face. He's yeah, always looks yeah. in good spirits. I don't know. I uh, love Matt. You... I love Matt Miazga. I'd take the punch for Matt. Like if somebody had one coming, <laughs> well, I wouldn't like... take the punch, but I would. I yeah, would not punch him. Who's punching? Hang on. If it's another MLS player, I don't know. Yeah. Um, if you were to ask uh, pro referees, who's the much most punchable FCC player, they would tell you it's Yuya Kubo. So. <laughs> Well, they Just wouldn't get. They wouldn't give you a card for punching them or a foul no. for punching them. Right? I think. I think they let things go because they want to punch him. 
And so, like, it's kind of their way of of punching him. It's like, be really, him. it would be really funny to find out after he leaves that Yukubo was just like the most heinous shit talker in the world. <laughs> I would and love that, that so much. <laughs> it turns out that he never gets calls because every ref is like, good. You hear some yeah. of the shit that comes out of his mouth. <laughs> You're the worst. Uh, <laughs> uh, all right. It's that time. Chief, I need a prediction for this one at home. 4-1. Oh, I love it. That's a 4-1. For, Feels for big. Who? For Cincinnati. Feels okay, big. I just wanted to, I got we're, excited. We're rolling again. <laughs> like the 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 you know, the pain train is back. How many of those four are Bupenza's goals? <laughs> One, but there's really bad body language right afterwards for no reason. <laughs> no, it, it's one, and everybody immediately looks to see who goes over to celebrate with them. Everybody oh, I celebrates. Want talk, I want to talk about that. I was watching when Lucha got subbed out. Yeah. I was happened? like, oh, I got I to watch this. I got to make sure everything's okay. Yeah. Um, he did walk over and personally hand the the armband to Miazga and okay, they, they hugged each other. Whoa, good. Love it. He acknowledged Pinto. Slapped and they did hands. Like a, they slapped yeah. hands and did like a little bit. I think they did like a little bit of a body check. Okay. Or they, they at least slapped hands. Like there was acknowledgement and greeting. Yeah. And then he um, uh, shook hands and did a little pat, like back pat with, uh, with Noonan. And he also uh, did, a, did a handshake with Kenny Arena. So, Whoa. folks, I think we're I think we're happy again. You know why Lucha was happy though, right? There's no Penza. <laughs> See, this is this is this is where I miss KLR because if this was KLR, we would have a segment subwatch, and there'd be like a sonar sound that got played followed by some bubbles. <laughs> Man, ah, oh, that would be good. Damn. Anyway, I like yeah, imagining... I'm all for a goal from Bupenza this weekend, plus like <laughs> body language stuff to talk about. <laughs> Chief, it did make me think there's a there's a version of this where we're doing the postcast 10 years from now, but we're still oh, imagining boy. how KLR would be doing this. <laughs> <laughs> like really Jonah, like Jonah hasn't talked to us in years and we're still being like, oh man, I miss KLR. Could you Don't imagine you... if KLR was doing this? <laughs> Uh, now fuck. that FCC's in the UEFA Super League, this is great. Right. Uh, Grayson, prediction. I'm gonna go two zero. Two. I think we're. I think we're seeing a. I think we're getting a clean sheet. Ooh. Okay. And let's see goals from Bupenza and uh, Brett Ballsy Halsey. <laughs> Is he the admiral or the hitman? Have we decided? Is it Brett the hitman, Halsey? I like the hitman better than Hitman's admiral. Hitman's good. Yeah. It matches his vibe more. I think he's he's a very cocky feller. At least I imagine him to be. Maybe he's very reserved. I don't know. Um, I will say there's there's no room for being reserved when it comes to the high stakes real estate market. So true in Salt Lake City. Um, <laughs> uh, give me one nothing FCC. Screw it. I'll just keep riding that train and pretending like we're that same team from April. Um, and there we go. You guys took all the fun square lines. And I didn't want to predict a loss or a draw. So one nothing it is. Uh, with that, Chief, depending on how much music ends up in this thing, it might be under two hours. See us out of here. Fuck Columbus.
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Cincy Postcast, which is a production of The Post Cincy. You can check us out at thepostcincy.com for all of our written content as well as links to our social media. You can follow us on Twitter and as well you can join us on our Discord server. You can find links to that server both in this episode description as well as on our website. That is where most of our conversations are going on. We have a lovely community there talking about FC Cincinnati, MLS, anything and everything else and everything in between. We also want to give a huge thanks to Jim Trace and the Makers for providing all of the music you've heard throughout this episode. They're an amazing local Cincinnati band. Again, more information about them is in the description of this episode. And if you enjoyed what you listened to and you've made it to the end, so I'm going to assume you liked it or you just can't reach your stop button, please like us, review us, subscribe to us, wherever you are getting your podcasts, that is going to be really, really helpful. But more importantly, share this with a friend. A personal recommendation helps sped a podcast so much further. So please share this if you know somebody in your life who's an FC Cincinnati fan, an MLS fan, somebody that you think would enjoy this, pass it on over. Thank you so, so much again for listening. It blows me away that people continue to listen to us. And thank you so, so much again.